this evening, John in chapter number 20. John in chapter number 20. As already introduced, it is a pleasure to have my family be able to join me this evening. Uh, I know my boys who came with me last time, I believe, is my wife's first time being here, if I'm not mistaken. And so it's a pleasure to have her to be able to meet you all and you all to meet her and our children as well. Brother Braylon's been, been, been with us. Braylon, you've been at the church since you were probably, what, eight or nine? Set, since you were seven years old. Uh, during his teenage years, Brother Braylon would travel with me some to meetings until he started playing the piano. Uh, then pastor said I couldn't take him anymore because uh, he had to be there for service. <laughs> and so Brother Braylon's been, been faithful to the things of God for, for years, and now he's in college here. So I trust you keep him in your prayers. As many of you know, if you've seen uh, any young people go off to college, you know that's a time where, where, the, where the devil put, put, puts the things up on a higher gear. And so we're praying for him uh, and trust that when he's not driving back home, he'll be worshiping with you all here. Uh, so I trust that you'll pray for him. John in chapter number 20. I did not mean to get you out of church so early this morning. I thought that was the normal time. Uh, I'm not going to make up for it tonight, all right, but I'm pretty sure if your pastor's like ours, he will. And so whenever we preach short, when pastor's out of town that next Sunday, we just know that we don't have dinner plans and we're going to miss the game. Um, but we know we're going to be at church for a long time. Amen. So maybe it might be like that for you all next Sunday. But John chapter number 20, we're going to begin in verse number uh, 19. John 20, verse 19. You found your place there. Let it be known by hearty. Amen. amen. The Bible says in verse number 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week. When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands, and put my Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, the disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hands and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Let's pray. God, I pray that you add your blessings, God, or to the teaching, preaching, God, of your word this evening. God, I pray that you give us clarity of thought, God, the Lord, clarity of speech as we try to communicate, thus saith the word of God. And then, God, oh, I trust that the truths from your word, God, oh, will penetrate our hearts, God, oh, will make a lasting difference, a lasting impact. Then, God, oh, when it's all said and done, when the last amen has been said and the last song has been sung, God, I trust that we can all testify that you met with us and we met with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ironically, as it may sound, the creator of the universe has always wanted to dwell and commune with his creation. 
The psalmist portrays this in Psalm chapter number eight. He says, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visiteth him? This puzzling question has always baffled theologians and non-theologians alike who are trying to figure out why does a holy God want to spend time with unholy people? Before the sin of man, God walked in the garden in the cool of the day and communicated with Adam and communicated with Eve. He visited the patriarchs uh, of the day. We're talking about Abraham, Moses, Isaac and Jacob. He visited them and communicated with them. But he, he, he wants to have a different type of relationship when it comes to us. In the Old Testament, we see starting in the first five books of the Bible, we get introduced to the t- t- tabernacle. This tabernacle was a a portable sanctuary that they would move with them from location to location. And it was in this place that they knew that God's presence would come and meet with them there. After 400 years of Egyptian bondage and 400 years of not dealing with God the way they should have been, God gets them into the wilderness. He has them erect this tabernacle and he lets them know that if they sacrifice correctly, the Shekinah glory of God will come and rest in this tabernacle. And you knew God's presence was there. After the tabernacle, they had the temple. The temple now wasn't a portable building. This temple was one uh, that was built and had to stay where it was. It was magnificent. It was something that David had a vision of dreaming, but I mean a building. But God told David, you can't build it. You've been a man of war, but I'll let you prepare the all the uh, the wood that's needed and the masonry that's needed. I'll let you prepare it and we'll let your sons build it. Solomon was to build this temple. It was magnificent, and they knew this was a place where they could come and worship. They had the tabernacle as a place. The Jews later on, when they were a little more stable in Jerusalem, they had the temple. But what God has set up for us is not just a tabernacle. What God has set up for us is not just a temple. What God has set up for us is the church. Now, the church is bigger than a building. The the church is something that's special to the heart of God. The church is an organism by where God has decided that I'm going to use to reach a lost and dying world with Christ. The church was authored by the father. It was purchased by the son. It was empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And it has been entrusted to us Christians to fulfill the great commission. The tabernacle, as it was given, the tabernacle was symbolic. Matter of fact, the Bible lets us know in Hebrews that the tabernacle of the Old Testament is symbolic to the tabernacle that's in heaven. The tabernacle was symbolic. The temple now, it was sacred. I mean, they built this thing with the finest of wood, with the finest of of masonry, with the finest of gold and silver. It outlined the temple. The temple was a sacred building. But when it came down to the church, now the church is really special. It's special to the heart of God. There are people who tried to duplicate the tabernacle. They tried to duplicate and shortchange the temple, but you can't duplicate the local New Testament church. You can attempt to, but this is the pillar and ground of the truth. When Jesus came to this earth and spent 33 and a half years of ministry that spanned it three and a half years long, the main thing that Jesus did was not just the miracles. The main thing that Jesus did was not healing the blind. The main thing that Jesus did was not visiting the poor. But the most important thing that Jesus uh, did that has sustained us outside of his dying on the cross was his establishment of the local New Testament church. 
despite and contrary to what many of your commentaries would tell you, the church did not start in Acts in chapter number two. The church started with Jesus and his disciples. Hence, you see the Lord's Supper taking place with Jesus. Hence, you see baptism taking place with Jesus. The two things that God, the two ordinances that God gave the church, Jesus was in part of way before Acts in chapter and number two. In our text here in John chapter number 20, these disciples were doing the same thing we're doing. It was the first day of the week. It was evening and they were gathered together. It's a common fad amongst many churches nowadays where they're eliminating the Sunday evening service because they said you can't find it in the Bible. But if you know that John chapter number 20 and verse number 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, notice this, the disciples were assembled. <laughs> That's what we're doing here. We are gathered on the first day of the week. It's the evening service. The disciples are assembled. The door is shut and well guarded. I mean, we are at the same thing the disciples were doing. They were at church as they were gathered there in Mark's gospel. The same story is told, but in Mark's gospel, it tells us that they sat at meat and were breaking bread. In Luke's gospel, it says they were discussing the things that Christ has done. In John's gospel, it says they were gathered for fear of the Jews. There were multiple uh, perceptions of why they were gathered, but they were gathered. As you can imagine now, after reading our text here, we know what took place. In the middle of verse 19, the Bible, or towards the end of verse 19, the Bible says, came Jesus and stood in the midst. So they're gathered the first day of the week. They're gathered at evening. It's disciples now who are gathered here. And the Bible says, in come Je the doors are shut. And in come Jesus and stands at the midst. Now, you have to understand, they had just seen Jesus down the cross. Many of them have already seen the empty tomb. They are still trying to understand the mystery of the resurrection that has just been unfolded. And in come Jesus and stands in their midst. My friend, when God showed up for this service, it took a dramatic twist. And when God shows up in any service, it's going to take a dramatic twist. Matthew chapter number uh, 18, the Bible seems to indicate where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst. So it shouldn't have been unusual. It shouldn't have been unexpected. But when the disciples are gathered, just like when we're gathered here this evening, the expectation ought to be that Jesus shows up. Ironic as this might have been for some, notice who was missing. Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Now this was the custom. They gathered together at the evening service. And on the first day of the week, the disciples knew they should have been there. But Thomas, for whatever reason was going on, Thomas was not there. The Bible doesn't give us any input into what's going on. We don't know if Thomas was sick. We don't know if Thomas was out of town. We don't know what Thomas had going on. But we know Jesus showed up and Thomas missed it. And Thomas missed it. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't know what's going to take place at church when you're not there. But may you sure certainly don't want to miss it. For just a few moments, I want to preach with this thought in mind. What you miss when you miss church. What you miss when you miss 
church. Now you say, Brother Vosky, why would you present a topic like this on a Sunday evening when we're already here? Because the reality is there are times in our lives where we feel like it's just uh, one misservice. It's just an event. It's just something that comes on. But you can't predict when Jesus shows up and the Lord showed up at this service without walking through the door. A miracle. He shows up in the mist and Thomas misses it. What you miss when you miss church? Firstly, you miss peace. You miss peace. Notice verse number 19. At the end of verse number 19, notice the first thing Jesus says unto them. Peace be unto you. Why did he start off saying peace? Because they were confused. They were trying to process what they were taught by Jesus to the rumors that were going on at that time to what they felt in their felt in their bones. They were trying to process this whole resurrection. Now, by faith, we are believing it. And by faith, they had to believe it. But the rumors were insurmountable to where they didn't know what happened to Jesus. And they were sitting in service. On the evening service, on the first day of the week, like they had probably did for three and a half years with our Lord. And they're sitting there and they're trying to figure out what has just taken place in our lives. And Jesus, knowing that what's on their heart, Jesus, knowing what's on their mind, he walks in amongst them and he says, peace be unto you. Listen, when the pastor mounts the pulpit on Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night, he might not know everything that's going on in your life. But as he's preaching the word of God, the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you, they begin to connect those things and God begins to give you peace. God begins to give you understanding. There are times on Wednesday nights where you're extremely tired and you come to church and it's going to be probably the latest night you're out of the week. And you know you got to get to work tomorrow and kids got to get to bed and homework has to get done. And then you get this time, this quiet time where you pray with God in church. And what does God give you? He gives you peace. There are times where you're 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 trying to figure out now, God, I got all this going on and Sunday's my only day off and I can really get ahead of my week if I could get all these things done on Sunday. But you come to church like you're supposed to. And God now begins to give you peace that you know what, my child it's all okay. I'll help you throughout the week. But you miss it sometimes and you miss peace. You miss peace in the journeys of your life when God's there to help you through your obstacles. God's there to help you through your obstacles. It's easy to try to say, well, God, I I got a lot going on. And God, if I could just get out of this service time, I can I can really get caught up. I I, I can help with some of my obstacles. And God says, why don't I help walk you through them? I can give you peace, give you peace through your obstacles. Not only that, I can give you peace through oppression. Notice what John chapter 20, verse number 19 tells us. The Bible tells us they were assembled for fear of the Jews. At this time, the disciples thought, now that they've got Jesus, they're going to get us too. And they've taken Jesus. They've killed him. They've taken his body. We don't know where he is because right now they're still struggling to believe that he rose from the grave. And now they're thinking that we're going to come in here. We're going to lock the doors. We're going to try to worship. We are afraid that the Jews are going to come and do the same thing that happened to Jesus. The reality is, and I try not to make it sound like this, but um, the world doesn't agree with everything we do. And sometimes when we gather together, it gives us just the strength to make it another day. We're going to go to a work tomorrow. Many of us where the vocabulary is completely different than the vocabulary is at church. 
And while we're gathered together here this evening, we, we're going to notice that nobody's going to get cussed out tonight. We're going to have to experience some of that tomorrow, but tonight we're not going to have to. Tonight, as we're gathered together, there's not going to be any backbiting. There's not going to be any gossiping. We're going to be lifting up the name of the Lord. And that gives me peace to prepare for what I got to deal with tomorrow. That gives me peace to prepare for what I have to deal with on Tuesday. And I don't want to miss out on getting that recharge or getting my peace level elevated because of whatever circumstances that I allow to control or consume my life. You miss peace when it comes to some of the opportunities that are life. God, I got to make a decision. God, there's some big decisions that I have to make in the future. And all of a sudden, the pastor opens up the word of God and begins to preach so clearly that it's like God is talking just to you. There's sometimes when I've come to church and I didn't get a word. God didn't help me from the preaching. But I talked to a brother or sister in Christ and they just said that little nugget that just encouraged me. They didn't know what I was going on, going through. They didn't know what I was experiencing, but they just wanted to encourage me. And it just gave me peace. Thomas says in John chapter number 20. Verse number 25, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. But Thomas, if you would have been in church Sunday night, you would have saw it. it. Churches in America put such an emphasis on Sunday morning and don't put much on Sunday night. But we find out in our text here that the faith part is developed in the evening, not in the morning. There are times Sunday mornings we're preaching salvation. Most of us on Sunday night are already saved. It's Sunday night where the scripture starting to be expounded. It's Sunday night where discipleship is being taken place. It's Sunday night where we start trying to increase our faith. And ladies and gentlemen, it is going to take faith to consistently be in church when the doors are open. That's the exercise of faith. Now, for young people, it's the exercise of habit, exercise of a schedule. But when circumstances and things start going on in your life, then it really becomes a faith issue. It really becomes a faith test. You say, what do I miss when I miss church? Well, the first thing you can find yourself missing, you can miss peace. Notice with me, secondly, the second thing you miss when you miss church is you miss proof. You miss proof. Notice what Thomas said he needs to do. Thomas said, I need to see the prince in his hands. I need to put my finger in the prince in his, net, in his hands, and I need to thrust my hand into his side. Thomas needed three exercises he had to do before Thomas was going to believe that Jesus showed up like they said Jesus showed up. Now, I want to tell you that the people who told Thomas that Jesus showed up in service were people Thomas been going to church with for a long time. It wasn't like these were strangers. It wasn't like he was in Walmart and somebody said, hey, hey Thomas, by the way, Jesus showed up down, down at that church. No, these were people that Thomas served with for three and a half years. They were in the same local New Testament church. And they tell uh, Thomas, Thomas, Jesus shows up. And Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it unless these three factors are tested. But notice what Jesus did when Jesus came the first time in John 20, verse number 20. And when he, Jesus, had so said, notice this. He showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Listen, the proof that Thomas needed to validate his faith came at church. But guess where Thomas wasn't at church. 
So often as we're trying to grow in our spiritual life, we, we are putting out a fleece to God. And we say, God, I, I need you to do this. And God, I need you to show me. And God, I need you to show me this is the right direction. And I'm leading my family in this direction. And I need you to show me if this is the next move you want to make. And we're waiting for God to give us proof. And God says, now, if you make it down to that church house, I got some proof there. Because I'm going to show up. And I'm going to show up as the proof. But you aren't there. Our church, as, as the brother mentioned, like this church is as well, is very mission hearted. We're, 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 our pastor is extremely uh, uh, motivating us into this area of church planning. And the people who understand it and the people who get it are the ones who are at church. Why? Because the missionaries come in and they just give us proof. For our church, missionaries don't typically come on, su- on Sunday mornings. They come on Sunday night and Wednesday nights. And as slides are being shown, what do we get to see? We get to see proof of what God is doing. See, we get so easy that we start thinking about these things from an American perspective. And we say, well, all of our neighbors go to church, so everybody must be saved and everybody must be exposed to the gospel. And to a missionary p- puts up on the screen and says, there's seven million people who live in this city and there's not a single independent fundamental Baptist church. And then they come back four or five years later and they're showing the slides of the hundreds of people who've gotten saved. You say, what is that? It's proof. It's proof that God is doing something. You say, well, I wonder what's going on with all that money that they're collecting up. I see everybody putting money in the offering, and I, I wonder where all that money is going. Keep coming to church. You'll get some proof. Amen. Yes. Have a missionary come and say, I thank you for that check you wrote us. You, you get proof, and Thomas missed proof. You say, what proof do, you, do I get when I don't miss church? You get proof of God's supreme authority. You get proof of God's supreme authority. A lot of times in our lives, we know God is elevated, but we don't have him as the supreme authority. We sometimes view God as our boss as though one day we can have that job if we just do right. God's the supreme authority. In our text, the Bible says that Jesus showed up in the midst with the doors locked. It's interesting to me how this King James Bible puts the detail in there to explain to us that this was a miracle that took place. When you begin to recognize God as supreme authority like you should, you'll start expecting him to do the same miracles that he can do. Oftentimes we don't have God high and lifted up like he should. So we don't expect those miracles that God can do. Remember Jarius? Jarius asked God to just speak. You don't even have to come back here. I I recognize you as the God with supreme authority. And when I do, I can't expect that you can just show up for me. And in the midst of people being fearful of their life, in the midst of all that, Jesus walks in through a closed door and said, peace be unto you. The next thing he says is, look at my hands. Look at my side. I want you to have the proof that I'm the person you saw on that cross is the same person that's standing here in front of you. Why? You say, what, what, what's the difference? Because in between Jesus hanging on the cross and in between Jesus standing before them, the most powerful thing that had ever taken place has taken place, the resurrection. There's power in the resurrection. You miss proof of God's supreme authority. Not only that, you miss proof of God's supernatural abilities that I mentioned before. He came through a, low, a clock, I mean a closed door. When you pray, do you, do you pray with the faith that God really can do it? 
I, I, I mean, honestly, we, we pray for sick people at church all the time. But are you really praying with the, with the belief that God literally can heal them? When we pray for somebody to get saved, are we praying in full confidence that, God, I believe that you can? I mean, are we expecting or looking for to see some of God's supernatural abilities? The Bible says that when Jesus came to his own city, he couldn't do no wonderful work. Why? Because of their unbelief. They didn't believe that Jesus really could do it. Old preacher from years gone back said it made a statement that went something like this. The modern church is in the supper room organizing when the church of days was in the sanctuary agonizing. What is it saying? That we sometimes put organization over prayer. We sometimes put planning over prayer. Are we praying and believing that God really can do it? Why I say you miss church, when you miss church, you miss God's supernatural abilities, is you get to miss, I mean, you start missing what God does in the life of an individual. You start missing it. One of the greatest things that I'm thankful for for growing up in church is that I got to see God change people. I mean, literally change them. I got to see God take families and put families back together. They came to church married, but the marriage was on the rocks. And I got to see God restore them. I got to see young people come to church lost, and I get to see God use them. I got to see older people who, who got out of the will of God come back to church and get restored. I'm telling you, that's a supernatural thing to see God do. I've seen God help people who were drunks give, 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 give victory over that. I'm not sure if I, if I told this story, but it was Braylon's parents who came, came to church some years ago. And uh, through the bus route and all that type of thing, the kids start coming, the parents start coming. Mom and dad start going through discipleship, and mom and dad start getting faithful. As mom and dad started, started to get faithful, the rules of the house began to change. All of a sudden, there was stuff that you couldn't watch anymore. There were places you couldn't go anymore. There were friends you couldn't hang out with anymore. And I still remember it on a Sunday night when Braylon's dad stood up in the sound booth and, and mentioned the word that pastor had preached and said we were doing that word and us starting to get baptized that we realized we couldn't drink anymore. And we went home and we poured everything down the drain. And listen, the message the pastor preached had nothing to do with giving up alcohol, but he was under conviction and we got to see God changed his life. I think it was the past two Sundays he's preached back home. Why? You got to see God's supernatural abilities. But you, when you miss church, you don't get to see that. You don't get to see that. Firstly, when you miss church, you, you miss proof. I mean, firstly, you miss peace, you miss proof. And thirdly and lastly, when you miss church, you miss purpose. You miss purpose. Notice verse number 21. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. And Jesus shows up in the church service on that Sunday night. They're baffled. They're confused. They're dismayed. They have questions. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up and he says, peace be unto you. He says, check out my my hands, check out my side. You're going to find out that the person who you saw hanging on the cross is standing in front of you today. And the only difference is the power of the resurrection. But then he's going to say again the second time, peace be unto you. As my father hath sent me, even so send I you. Here's what Jesus did. 
Jesus connected three and a half years with one statement. My father sent me from heaven. I'm the lamb slain before the world, before the foundation of the world. My purpose was to die on the cross to be the redemption for mankind. I was to introduce to you the gospel. And I want you to take that gospel that was entrusted to me and now has been entrusted to you. And I want you to let the world know all about it. Listen, if you're not at church, you'll easily forget what the purpose of the church is. Now, I'm glad that the church can do coat drives. And I'm glad that during times we can do blood drives. And I'm glad that during times we can pass out water to the community. And those are all good and great things. But you understand that's not the purpose of the local New Testament church. And I understand that we can have a good time of fellowship and I understand that we can come together and it's a sweet spirit in this place. And I understand that we want that. But I hope you understand that's not just the purpose of the church. And although this building is laid out very beautifully and is very comfortable and and things are professionally done here, I hope you understand the church is not about putting on a production. The purpose of the church is to get the gospel out to a lost and dying world. And the reason so many people miss that It's because they miss church that everything else takes the place of it. So when I check in the church in an hour, I'm ready to check out. When I check in ready to leaving, I'm going to miss a lot of what is going on. I'm going to miss a lot. I'm not going to do a good job. I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do. But Jesus said unto them, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. And as far as we know, only 10 disciples were there to hear this. Judas already dead. Thomas missing. And not everybody got the message. The beauty of the church, we don't have time to go into this, but once you begin to dig into Ephesians, you begin to find words like this over and over again. Unity, unity, unity. As the church is gathered together to fulfill the great commission that's given in Matthew chapter number 28, we ought to be united together to fulfill the great commission. It's not just the pastor's job. It's not just the preacher's job. It is the church as a whole, as one unit, gathering together to fulfill the great commission. But when you miss church, you miss purpose. You miss purpose and when it evolves the epitome of surrender. Verse number 21, Jesus said, as my father sent me, even so send I you. Could you imagine now Jesus challenging you on what you're supposed to do in your Christian walk? See, when I say it, you can easily say, yeah, but do you go soul winning all the time? If your pastor says, well, the church ought to be soul winning every day, you can easily question and say, well, pastor, do you go soul winning every day? But what about when Jesus says you ought to be soul winning every day? You can't question Jesus on that. When when one of the men in the church stand up and says everybody ought to surrender their lives to the Lord, it's easy for us cynical Christians to say, well, I remember when you weren't surrendered. But when Jesus says surrender your life to the Lord, you can't say that to him. Jesus was surrendered to the purpose of God for his life that he had to endure his father turning his back on him. You say, what is that? That's the epitome of Surrender that that is the example. We ought to be so in tune with God's plan for our life that nothing else distracts us. Nothing else discourages us. Nothing else has us dismayed. Why? Because Jesus is the epitome of surrender. Not only do you miss that as far as purpose, you miss the epitome of surrender, but you miss the expounding of the scriptures. 
In Luke's gospel, Luke tells this exact same story. But in Luke's gospel, chapter 24, verse number 45, the Bible says this. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. While Jesus was there, Jesus could begin to expound to them the scriptures that they knew, but they didn't know how to apply. When you miss church, you are going to miss the scriptures being expounded in such a way that you know exactly what they mean. There, 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 there's a song that, that uses a song, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. A popular song. And most people who sing it don't know how it applies to scripture. They don't know what it means for them. But when you are at church, you get the scripture expounded and you can recognize what it means. Philippians 4.13. I'm sorry, let's use John 3.16. When Tim Tebow was in college, he, ta- he put that on his face, and it, it, on, the, on the paint on his face. And he said it was looked up over two million times while that game was going on. That pe- people Googled John 3.16. They already knew the verse, but very few know what it means. <laughs> Connected with the totality of the scripture. Philippians 4.13, pe- people quote this scripture all the time, but they don't understand the prerequisite it is to claim the scripture. You don't get that just from just a Google search you got to have the scripture expounded to you. Philippians, I mean, Acts chapter number, uh, was it eight or nine, the um, Philippian jailer. I mean, not the Philippian jailer, the Ethiopian eunuch. He needed the scripture expounded. He's reading it, but he needed help understanding it. And when I'm at church, the pastor or the preacher, God gives them a word, and they begin to expound the scripture for me. And by them giving interpretation, hopefully the Holy Spirit of God gives application, then I can grow. But when I miss church, I miss the epitome of surrender. I miss the expounding of the scripture. But notice verse number 22. I miss being equipped for service. Notice this. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. While they were in this meeting that Thomas missed, God gave them the the equipping that we get at the moment of salvation. When Jesus died on the cross, and when we receive uh, his salvation, the Bible said we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God. And because we are indwelled with the Bible said we are sealed to the day of redemption. And it's the Holy Spirit of God, according to John, that's our comforter. It's the Holy Spirit of God that's going to uh, help teach us the word of God. It is the Holy Spirit of God, according to Acts, that is going to help us witness. And Thomas missed being equipped for service. Because for whatever reason, he wasn't where he knew he was supposed to be. There are times this weekend we had a discipleship training at our church. Not everybody got involved in it. What happened? They didn't get equipped for service. So there's going to be times and opportunities where pastor might call on brother so-and-so. There's this new convert. Uh, Can you please um, disciple them? And they're not going to have a clue what to do. Because it happened at church. They weren't there. They're not equipped for service. They're not ready to fill in. They don't know what to do. They missed the training that was given. When we gather together in church, we are getting trained to do God's plan for our life. Sometimes we get new information. Sometimes we get reminded of things we already know. 
And all of that is to do is to equip us to be better for what God's plan is for our life. But the reality is a lot of times we miss it because we miss church. I'm not trying to harp. I don't I'm not trying to harp on anybody, get in anybody's business. But the reality is Thomas missed Jesus because he wasn't there. And Thomas was struggling in his faith. The Bible says that he didn't believe in. And and so because he was struggling, Jesus showed up. Jesus knew Thomas did not believe like he should. And he should have been there. But he wasn't. And Jesus knows where you're struggling. And you don't know that Sunday he has something planned for you. Jesus knows where you need help. And you don't know Sunday night he's prepared it for you. Jesus knows that Wednesday night that you need some encouragement. He has that thing prepared for you. But because you missed church, you missed out on what you needed to help you grow spiritually. What you miss when you miss church, you miss peace, you miss proof, and you miss out on your purpose. Let's pray. God, I pray, God, Lord, that you add your blessings, God, Lord, to what was said here this evening. God, I trust, God, or that nothing was said that wouldn't bring glory and honor to you. God, do I do believe that what was said this morning and said tonight. God, do I do believe that these were the thoughts that you had for us, God, Lord. And it seems ironic to me, God, or that you would have me preach this to the home crowd. And God, or even I questioned that in the study, God, or but felt like this is where you were leading. Now, God, I pray, God, or that you have your way in the invitation here this evening, God, or that you'll make the difference. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.